Welcome to the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm Larry Lannon. Hamilton Southeastern School Board at-large elections go like this. There are three seats. All voters within the school district choose one candidate per township. There are three candidates in Wayne Township's election. Ron Thiem is one of those three candidates. His three children are all graduates of the Hamilton Southeastern Schools. Izzy Alexander talks with Ron Thiem in this podcast. I'll start us off by introducing myself. I'm Izzy Alexander. I'm a senior at Fishers High School. My brother and I were approached to continue Larry Lannon's tradition of school board candidate interview podcasts um, by a member of our community, and we were absolutely thrilled to accept that. We're both We the People alumni from Fishers Junior High and have a huge passion for civics, and educating people on their candidates is such a great way to help out the local community, so we're absolutely thrilled to be running these. If you want to start us off by introducing yourself as well, that'd be awesome. Well, I'd be happy to. My name is Ron Theme, and let me just first say, Izzy, I'm so uh, happy that you're carrying on Larry Lannon's tradition. You know, it's a great service for the community, and it's just uh, really awesome that it aligns with your personal interests, too. So thank you for doing this. Sure, so maybe, of course. <laughs> maybe just a little bit about myself. Is that a good place to start? Um, so I'm a, you know, I'm actually a product of the Hamilton Southeastern School System. So I attended Durban Elementary. And uh, that's where my educational, um, I guess, vocation started, and it took me all the way through a doctorate, so from Durban to doctorate. Um, I met my wife in high school. We were high school sweethearts, and this past Tuesday, we celebrated our 36th anniversary. So, Congratulations. Thank you. It must have worked. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have uh, three children. Uh, our boys are 25 years old, and they are high, uh, Hamilton Southeastern graduates, and we have a daughter that's 22. She's also a Hamilton Southeastern graduate, and we currently have nieces that are in the Hamilton Southeastern school system, so we're, we're tied up with Hamilton Southeastern. We bleed red, white, and blue. Um, been a resident of Hamilton County for all but about 18 years of my life. We spent some time on the East Coast, so I got a different perspective on the world from there. But then when our kids were born, we moved back home, which is kind of not atypical. Um, but Hamilton County is my home. Um, professionally, I've got a lot of experience in business. You know, I've started and, uh, and have grown businesses. Uh, I've done a lot of work in the consulting field. Uh, my specialty is where people and organizations and technology and uh, strategy come together. Um, I've led companies. I've been the CEO of a national lab testing company. I've been a board member and senior exec of a large healthcare organization. Lots of board of directors experience. And so, you know, all those things taken together, my love for Hamilton Southeastern, my, uh, uh, you know, this is where my life is and my professional experience are kind of what led me to run for school board. Awesome. Well, how old did you say your nieces were? What school are they in? Yeah, they're in uh, two of them. One's in first grade and one's in third grade. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, you know, the fun thing about that is their um, their parents work. And so they've been spending their days here with us, with my wife and I. So I get to see the virtual education going on and we get to put them on now on the school bus, which they really love. 
Uh, but I have to tell you that it, it was just so sweet to see that first grade teacher trying to establish a relationship with all these first grade students she's never met, you know, via Zoom. And she just was working so hard at it, you know, uh, making rec making comments about my niece's headband, you know, trying to establish that personal connection. I know a lot's been thrown at teachers and students during this pandemic year, but they're doing the best they can. Yeah, our teachers are working super hard to make sure we don't, that we have the best education that we can during yeah. these weird, this weird year. So I love that story. <laughs> um, so as a student myself, it's really important to me that my school board is able to hear the concerns of students across our district. To what extent will you yourself be considering the student voice if you're elected to the school board? Uh, that's a super question. Uh, you know, for me personally, that's just extremely important because students are our first priority. So as school board members, I believe our focus should properly be on you, on the students. You are the product of what we're doing. Um, so I really want to know what your experiences are like as a student. Uh, you know, one of the things I've got to do in my life uh, is to be the chief experience officer for Community Health Network. And in that, I learned that, you know, patient outcomes are directly tied to the experience that patients have when they're with us. And, you know, I think it's the same for students and their educational experience. So we've got to focus on uh, making sure that they're having a great experience so that they can learn what they need to know wherever they are in life with whatever tools they need to have to be successful. So I think that voice is extremely important. And, um, and you know, while we're there, I think the voice of the teachers is important too. Uh, we recognized back at the hospital that um, that our patients were not likely to have great experiences unless our caregivers had great experiences and they were able to transfer that on. I think it's probably the same in an academic environment. Teachers got to be loving to come to work every single day. If the students are going to be loving to be there too. Do you have a way that you could explain to me of how you would plan to hear that voice from the teachers and the students? Yeah, I think there are several different ways of doing it. One is, um, and I've done this before, one, you just measure it and just measure the heck out of it. Uh, that's what we did uh, back at Community. So we had lots of different ways to get visibility into what um, patients were thinking and what our caregivers were thinking too. When I say caregivers, I mean our employees were thinking as well. So I think there are measurement instruments we can use. But on the other hand, too, I think nothing beats just walking around and talking with students. Uh, you know, our kids have been out of Southeastern for a, a couple of years, a few years, not that long. But we've still maintained um, a connection with what's going on at Southeastern. Uh, we work very closely with the FFA, for example. So we have lots of events out here at our house for them. Uh, we've done that for the band as well. And just working with these young folks and hearing what they're having to deal with, you know, what their aspirations are, what some of their issues are, uh, nothing beats that personal connection. So I would, I would envision continuing to do that as a school board member. Awesome. What would be your top three priorities if you're elected? Um, so basically, what's the platform you're running on? Yeah, super question. Well, I think number one is uh, we need clear vision and strategy for Hamilton Southeastern. You know, this next board is going to deal with a number of really important issues that 
are going to shape Hamilton Southeastern for years and years to come. So we're going to have some leadership turnover. Um, I don't know that Dr. Borf has announced any retirement plans, but he's likely to retire during the term of this next school board. Uh, we're going to have the expiration of the referendum, and that's a huge chunk of funding for Hamilton Southeastern. So we're going to need to show value for the money that we've spent uh, and be able to um, show how we're going to invest wisely for the future. Um, we're going to see continued growth for the system as well. Uh, you know, with new buildings associated redistrict, redistricting, which can often be contentious. Uh, and uh, so we need to focus on the future uh, so that we're aligned as a board on what we want to achieve five, ten years from now. Otherwise, I think without that vision that's clearly articulated and that strategy, um, you tend to get wrapped up in the hot topic of the day and it's really hard to move forward. So number one is, is vision and strategy. Uh, number two is it just focus on exceptional outcomes for all students, no matter where they are. And that kind of, that, that means maybe high academic achievement for those who are college bound, but it also means giving folks who might be more uh, vocationally trained what they need to be successful and have career success. Um, and we need to measure this and continually improve it. So number two is exceptional outcomes for all students. And then lastly, we just need to invest wisely. Um, you know, providing K-12 education is just inherently an expensive proposition. Uh, but when we make spending decisions, uh, we need to be just absolutely clear about what student outcomes uh, we're getting for the investment. So those three things, vision and strategy, exceptional outcomes, invest wisely. Thank you. Sure. Uh, we did talk a little bit about this um, a little earlier, but this has been a crazy year, unique in terms of public health and safety. We don't typically think about pandemics when we're thinking about buying back to school supplies. Masks have never been on the list before. So um, do you have a plan to ensure the safety of every student and staff member in our district? Yeah, boy, crazy year is an understatement, isn't it? I, I yeah. just don't know what to compare this to. Um, well, of course, I can't and nobody on the school board can guarantee anybody's safety because we live in a world of risk. I think, though, that just happens to be magnified during a time of pandemic. So what we have to do is balance the risks uh, that, that life throws in our way. Uh, so we're always going to have incomplete information. Uh, we're going to have to make the best decisions with the information we have at our disposal. And we're going to have to be ready to maybe reverse course sometimes when new information becomes available. Now, I support getting kids back in school uh, just as soon as we can with the proper precautions. I, you know, I think it's better for their education. Uh, it's better for their emotional health. Uh, and it's often better for their family situations, too. But as we do that, you know, we also need to recognize some folks are going to be in a position where they're in a, a high-risk category for COVID-19, and we need to recognize they're going to be able, unable to come back really soon. So we're going to have to provide them with the best possible education we can, aside from being back in class. Um, and recognizing it's never going to be the same, exactly the same as being back in school. And, you know, by the way, this I think this goes for teachers, too, as well as students. Um, teachers are essential workers. I, I can't think of a vocation that's more essential than shaping our young people. Um, but we need to protect teachers, again, who are at high risk uh, for COVID-19. And so maybe this calls for some out-of-the-box thinking. Um, 
you know, like uh, having parent volunteers proctor a class where the teacher has to teach virtually, you know, for a time. But I think if we put our heads together and we work together as a team, we can sort through these things. Thank you. Uh, and in addition to a global pandemic, we've also seen a huge focus on equity in the past few months uh, in tandem with the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement. Do you plan to advance equity and equality as a member of the school board? Um, and if so, how would you do that? Yeah, I absolutely do. Thanks for that question, Izzy. You know, of course, Black Lives do matter, and I'm, I'm glad that we're seeing some attention to this on a national basis. It's really important drawing um, attention to issues of inequity. So I want every single student to uh, be able to achieve to the very best of their abilities. And you know, when that happens, then I know that we're accomplishing our mission as an educational enterprise. Um, we're gonna need to give students the tools they need to succeed no matter where they're coming from, what their station in life is, what their demographics are, uh, and certainly without regard to uh, color and race. And I guess this leads a little bit to maybe my philosophy of life. I mean, I see people as individuals and each one, each one, no matter what your background, each person has an innate ability to learn and grow in their own unique way. And this, I would have to say, that's kind of one of my motivating philosophies because I love it when I see people learning and growing to their maximum potential. That's what excites me. That's what drives my passion. So the second part of your question is, so how do we do this? I, I, by long experience, I've learned you have to start with the data. You have to understand where you are. You have to see who's underachieving and you have to find out why. Is it something in the educational environment that's not allowing them to succeed or to reach their maximum potential? Uh, is it some socioeconomic driver? Um, are the family issues that maybe are preventing learning from happening the way that it should and could optimally? Uh, so you have to do the hard work of determining what that is. And then you can develop only then, by the way, you can develop interventions. Uh, you know, when I worked in healthcare, we discovered that uh, patient outcomes, so health outcomes are often tightly related to what happens outside the clinical environment. So things like emotional health, um, poverty, food insecurity, these things affect health outcomes. And I suspect it's the same thing for academic outcomes. It's the same thing for students. Um, they can be affected, uh, these academic outcomes can be affected by uh, what happens outside the classroom just as much as what happens inside the classroom. So we need to identify the problem, develop and test solutions, measure the results, uh, might involve partnerships with other organizations to help with these things. I'm a big fan of creating these kinds of partnerships to allow our students to be successful where they are and what they need to succeed in whatever station they find themselves. Do you have um, like a specific idea that you would want to implement um, as a school board member, even, even if you still obviously like need to look at the data to make a decision on what to do, what do you think something that's important to you would be implementing? Yeah. If that absolutely. makes any sense. Yeah, it does. Thank you. Okay. Um, I, th I think, I, I think first of all, uh, we need to really characterize the problem. And I've learned, I've learned this through just long, hard experience. I've got scraped elbows and knees when I haven't done this before, because you can too easily uh, 
you know, start chasing the wrong problem, and pretty soon you end up making matters worse than before you started. So I want to, I, I do, um, I'm going to stick to this, I want to see the data about where the inequities are. Because that's what's going to lead us to create the right kinds of solutions. Um, you know, um, Dr. Worf was, 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 uh, had the uh, fortune of being able to spend some time with him this week. And he's telling me the story of uh, uh, was a black family, actually, who moved uh, to Hamilton County in the Hamilton Southeastern School District. Um, and they didn't have a lot of money. You know, they were from Indianapolis, but they did that, rented an efficiency apartment so that their kids could be in the Hamilton Southeastern School District so they could attain to that, you know, fantastic education that Hamilton Southeastern is known for. And I love that story because it shows that the parents had a high regard for education, willing to make sacrifices so that their kids could get ahead. Um, We need... We need more of that kind of thinking, I think, in our community. Uh, we need to support folks who, you know, might be uh, economically disadvantaged. Uh, and we need to give those kids a leg up so that they can, they can be successful in whatever career they choose. But it's got to be, I'm, I'm going to stick to it, Izzy. We've got to see the data first. We've got we to gotta define the problem first before we can invent solutions. All right. Thank you. Um, and then this last general question for you before we get to your candidate specific questions is basically just your opportunity to say why you are the best choice for election this term in your, I don't remember which district you're in. Yeah, the uh, at-large candidates and uh, from yeah, Wayne Township. <laughs> so why are you the best choice for Wayne Township this year? Sure. Well, I think number one, it's just, as we discussed earlier, just my deep ties to the Hamilton Southeastern community. You know, we, um, um, I, I had the great fortune of living in the house that I grew up in. We got to move back here about nine years ago, and um, I'm, I don't plan on moving anywhere else. So I'm going to live with my own decisions. So uh, I think that's important, just deep ties to the HSE community. Secondly, I would say I just... Been, um, I've just been uh, able to accumulate a whole lot of leadership experience. Um, I've built a lot of teams. I've focused on learning how to make teams highly performing and highly functional. Um, I love taking in all viewpoints. We don't all need to think alike. In fact, we shouldn't all think alike. But I've learned ways of bringing those diverse viewpoints together for the good of all people and encouraging that diversity of thought. Uh, for the betterment of the entire organization. So number one, deep ties to HSE. Number two, leadership experience. And I say, lastly, just love of learning and a passion to see students excel. That really is what motivates me. Uh, I did that with my teams. Uh, whenever I got to lead a team, it just gives me the jollies to see people grow and learn and come together for a common purpose. So that's my motivation. Uh, this is not for me. This is not a stepping stone to another position. Uh, it's just recognizing that Hamilton Southeastern has given me a whole lot, and I want to help Hamilton Southeastern. Thank you. That's awesome. Sure. All right. Uh, these are your specific questions. So um, I did peruse your Facebook page, uh, and you've listed that, and you t- and we've talked about it too, that you've been in management for your whole life. 
Um, how do you think you can translate management skills into your school board position? Yeah, this is a super question. Thank you for that. I guess, um, first of all, I just start by noting that there's a difference between managing and governing. Uh, and it's a super important difference. Uh, school board members don't manage the organization. They don't micromanage the superintendent. Their job is to make sure that we've got the right vision and strategy in place, that we're keeping the main thing the main thing. We're looking out ahead into the future. Uh, their job is to make sure that we're spending money wisely. The school board is in charge of the budget. Their job is to create the right policies uh, that allow us to accomplish our educational mission. And their job is to make sure that that strategy is developed that puts our vision into action. Um, it's also to, as we discussed earlier, it's also to hire the uh, chief executive, the superintendent for the corporation. So it's really important to understand that difference between the job of governance and the job of managing. Um, my experience has been in both for-profit and non-for-profit boards. Uh, my business experience has been almost exclusively in the for-profit world. And I think that's important because people increasingly have a choice for how they're gonna educate their kids. At the end of the day, we've gotta develop a great product that competes in that marketplace. Uh, and that's something I'm excited to do. I think Hamilton Southeastern is well positioned there already, but we need to improve and maintain our position of preeminence there as well. So I come, I come back every time to vision and strategy. That's what gets us to the best student outcomes. It's what gets us to great experiences for, for students and teachers alike. And that, that is the role of governing. Thank you for that. And then earlier we did talk about to, um, you said exceptional outcomes for all students, which I love is a great statement. Does that, can you define like all students for you? What does that mean to you? Well, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, public schools are maybe a little bit unique in that we take all comers, you know, we're, <laughs> we're not focusing on a specific uh, target student population and going after them, we take all comers, whoever needs an education, our doors open to them. So that literally means all students. I don't know how to say it any more clear than that. You know, it's without regard to, uh, to anything that might separate them as, you know, a class or a race or any of that. And we've got to have an educational system that works for everybody. Now, that's, now that says easier than it does. I get that. But that's where we need to start, I think, and that's where we need to keep our focus. Does your all-student definition also include uh, LGBTQ students or students from LGBTQ families? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Of course it does. Yeah, they're all they're the students as well. So, yes, we need to be responsive to everybody's needs. Awesome. Thank you. I don't have any more questions for you. I've left this space open in all my other interviews for candidates to say something else about themselves that they think that deserves mentioning or um, add anything on to any answers, clarify anything or ask me questions. Sure. I, what? Can I ask you a question? Of course. So, so you kind of spoke to this just a little bit at the beginning, but I'm really interested to know what excites you about doing what you're doing now through these interviews? Um. Really, the, the, I think the best part about it is I, I'm 17. I can't vote this year, and I won't be able to vote in this election, which makes me very upset. And I've been upset about it since probably six years ago when I did the math and realized that my birthday wasn't going to land soon enough for me to vote in a presidential election my first 
um, time voting. So I've been upset about it for a long time. <laughs> um, mostly just what excites me about this is civics is one of my one of my passions. I love uh, engaging in civics and social justice and politics and all that good stuff. So being able to contribute to the community by doing these interviews is a way that I can contribute to the civic education in our community without voting myself, um, which is definitely a thing that I would love to do, but I can't. So that's been my driving factor. I've loved doing these interviews because I feel like um, I hope if people listen to them, then that's a way that I can be involved in our community as well. Yeah, I love that answer. <laughs> I remember uh, the first election I was able to vote in, and that was a long time ago. So I'm sure you're going to be the same way. Well, I, w- I really want to thank you for that. You know, we need more we need more students like you, Izzy, that have that uh, uh, that that passion for civics. Uh, and who are willing to invest time and effort in learning and being great citizens of this country. So thank you for that. That's sure. Great. I can tell you there's about 30 students every year just like me that come out of Mike Fossil's We the People class in Fisher Junior High. And I hope uh, We the People and civics curriculum, one of my biggest passions being implemented across uh, on a larger scale, across our state, across our nation. I loved that class. So it's been a huge driving factor in my personality and my civic engagement. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I'd love to learn more about it. Maybe we can do that sometime. <laughs> do you have any other comments, thoughts, questions, clarifications? I do. This is very important. So go Tigers, beat Brownsburg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the game tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> go Tigers. Although I heard we did lose last week, so I'm not, I'll be confident in my football team for the spirit of school spirit, but I don't know if we're going to win. <laughs> here's, here's the nice thing about being a potential school board member. For the rumble in the jumble, my team wins every single time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for a mudsock. I think HSC won last week in the mudsock. Yeah, I think they did. Which is good for you because that's where you're from. Well, it's, it's again, they're Fishers and Southeastern are both my high schools. So yep. I'm proud of them both. All right. Well, if you don't have anything else to say, then we can go ahead and wrap this up. Thank Great. you so much for agreeing to be interviewed today. It's been a pleasure. Well, it's been my pleasure, too. Thank you, Izzy, for doing this. Of course. Have a wonderful day. Okay, you too. Bye now. Once again, my thanks to Izzy and Casey Alexander for handling the school board candidate interviews this election cycle. Remember, if you vote a straight party ticket, your voting process is not over. Continue on to vote for the county council and then for the school board. This is the LarryInFishers.com podcast. My name is Larry Lannon. On behalf of Izzy and Casey Alexander, thanks for listening. Be safe and be kind.